like to invite the children forward. I think I may be a little hot uh, for a moment with the minister. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Good. Good. Are y'all having a good summer? Yeah. Yeah. What's happening in about two weeks? School. School. Not so much enthusiasm. School. School. Yes. All the parents are going, school. Yes. All right. Well, let me ask you this summer or maybe just sometime in your life, have you ever played hide and go seek? Yes. Yeah. All right. So who likes to hide better? Who likes to be the one that goes to find people? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah. Well, today with the adults, we're going to be talking about a little game of hide and seek that happened at the very beginning of the Bible. And so we're going to talk a little bit about it with you guys today. Um, so, so when you hide, I know David, David is now getting a little older uh, and he doesn't like to be found. Now, about six months ago, or maybe a year ago when he would hide, he could handle about 30 seconds. And then I could hear him somewhere in the house going, Daddy, Daddy, because he wanted to be found, right? And you all have been there, every single one of you, if you ask your parents or the people that care for you, you've been there. You, you would hide and, hey, come find me. I'm in here because you like to be found, right? Because part of the fun of hiding is somebody finding you and saying, hey, I know you're still out there and I've come looking for you and I want to find you. Not, oh, we'll just leave them out there somewhere. They can fend for themselves and forget it, right? Well, let me tell you, when you go back to school, there are going to be friends of yours and they're not going to hide in the broom closet at the school or in the principal's office or under the teacher's desk. They're going to be in plain sight. You're going to see them every single day but in some ways they may be hiding. Maybe they're hiding because they think their hair looks funny that day. Or maybe they're hiding because they've done something wrong and they feel bad about it and they don't know how to feel better about it. Or maybe, hold on a second. Or maybe uh, they just don't have anybody who will sit with them at lunch and so they're ashamed of themselves. And so what I want you to do is when you go back to school, I want you guys to be finders. I want you to find those people who are sitting by themselves at school and eating lunch by themselves or who look like they're having a bad day and they're frowning or they're crying. They want to be found too. They want somebody at school to come up to them and to say, uh, you ca I care about you and I want to know how your day's going. Are you having a bad day? And let them talk or go sit next to them at lunch and maybe share your lunch with them. Whatever it may be, I want you all to be finders. Will you do that for me? Yes. Will you find those people who might be lonely and let them know they have a friend? Yeah? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for being our friend and we thank you for coming and seeking us out and finding us. And we ask that you would help us do the same with all of the people that we meet in school this year. Help us to be finders who love other people and care for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all very much. You guys can head back to the back with the ladies and children's time.
Okay, if you would like to, uh, please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, um, I know you guys get so used to seeing it up on the screen, so you leave your Bibles at home. I'm going to encourage you to bring your Bibles with you so that you can open them up. Maybe you can take notes, whatever. Maybe I may not be worthy of taking notes from, but you'll have your Bible. You can compare what I'm saying, see if you even believe it or not. You can challenge anything, whatever. Just bring them. Check it out for yourselves. Don't just trust me to uh, bring what I have on a Sunday morning and just take it for, um, that's just the way it is. Because maybe you need to ask me a question and I need to change my thought process. So, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. As you have heard some say, I may start doing this, I don't know, the word of God for the people of God, and you say, thanks be to God. So the word of God for the people of God. Now, we need to get into the context of this uh, verse, the, these few uh, verses that we've read into that chapter, so you kind of have an idea. But uh, I want us to watch a little video to see how uh, what happened in the garden even affects us a little today. Take a look. Check this one out. This is a Twizzler. Why do girls always feel the need to analyze the relationship? <laughs> yeah. Because they know the guy never will. Hey, Adam was way better off before Eve came along. <laughs> Are you saying that the entire fall of man was Eve's fault? Who took the first bite? Mm, crunch, crunch. Are you kidding me? Adam ate the apple too! Yeah, but that's because he trusted her, right? Adam was seduced by the vixen. Right. Eve. Okay, well, I still think it was the guy's fault. Yeah, you would. Why? Because guys always want to be the leader, but they don't want any of the responsibility. Exactly. So, it's never the girl's fault. That's right. Yeah, you know what? That's the price you pay for wearing the pants. Look at it, little guys, guys. Let's take it about three chill levels down, okay? If you want to, pretty much know how to solve this problem right now. How? What I'm gonna do is go into my time machine, wickety on back to year zero, get Adam and Eve and bring them back and, and we can ask them ourselves. It's oh, a good idea, man. No, I'm serious. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually got a, I got a time machine. It's, this, it's Sony, kind of the off-brand of time machines, but hey, it'll do the trick, you know? So I'll go, I'll go get them. I mean, assuming I can find him, but there's only two people, so how hard can it be? Yeah, please do. Hurry, hurry, because I really want to see Eve. Okay, I'll go. Be back in a second. Okay. Anyways, look, I just, I totally don't see why Adam couldn't have stopped Eve. Well, let's just okay. get back to the game. So, marry, date, or dump. <laughs> I don't know. Who are they? 
What do you mean, who are they? It's a, this is Adam and Eve. I told you I was going to go ahead and go get them and bring them back, and that's what I did. So why don't you go ahead and scoot over. Make some room. Have a seat on our uh, plush sofa. Um, can I get you guys anything to eat? Uh, we've got some sour cream and onion. Uh, I actually have a, a pizza Lunchables. It's got the little packet of sauce. Um, maybe some fruit sickles? No thanks, we're good. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, fruit, bad, bad thing to say about. Seriously, who are they? Were they hiding in the back room? Look, I don't have prehistoric people living in my back room. Oh, let me go feed my woolly mammoth, okay? Look, we've got bigger fish to fry than where they came from. How do they know English? I taught it to him on the way back. And that sweet guidebook right there. Look, why don't we just go ahead and just get right to the point, the whole reason we brought you here. Is it your fault or your fault? What, what do you mean? The fall of man? The reason we're all born into sin? The curse of childbirth? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I knew it was evil! No, it wasn't. Well, it kind of was. Oh, snap, crackle, and pop! I knew it! Wait a minute. I was as much to blame as Eve was. What did I tell you? It's all the guy's fault. Thank you! Look, we were both deceived. And we both responsible for our own actions. We chose to be disobedient. And now we have to live with the consequences. Dude. You are totally letting me down right now. After all I did for you? After I saved you from that charging manatee thing? Oh, what was that? I forgot to turn my time machine off again. Who is the frost? The fun of relationships, right? And uh, we laugh because that's true. <laughs> we all sit there and wonder, okay, which side is to blame? So in the midst of what we're talking about today, we've got to go back here at the beginning of the very beginning and talk about what happened. But we kind of got an explanation there. Uh, the serpent deceives Eve. Eve takes the apple. Now there's this assumption we all have that Eve's there with the serpent by herself and Adam's out somewhere else doing something else. And it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible at all. So the likelihood of them being together is very possible. And so there's this sense that this all was somebody else's fault rather than taking ownership. And so we have all of that dynamic going on. The reality of the whole story is because of what they both did, there's a realization in their lives that makes them begin to feel shame and doubt and fear and anger and blame and whatever else may come. And in the midst of this story, they have separated themselves from God by a choice they have made. Now, uh, I guess I could probably ask people to raise your hand because I'm assuming everybody in this room will answer this the same way. But if you ever made a choice in your life that you think maybe might have separated you from God just a little. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. We've all been there. That moment when we go, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have made that choice. And you realize, one, you feel awkward. You're not sure why. You know, you hear the voice of your mother 
or your dad in the background saying, ah, you shouldn't have done that. And then you also begin to think, well, how do I approach God with this whole thing? And I'm not sure. And we just feel awkward. So we deal, because of what has happened in the history of humanity, we deal with broken relationships. Number one, a broken relationship with God. Number two, broken relationships with others. Now, as we see uh, in this story, we know that when God states his first question to humanity, Adam's, Adam's response was, we heard you in the garden and we hid. They were playing a cosmic game of hide and seek with God. They knew something was up. They knew something was not quite right. And so they decided they would go and find the biggest tree they could and hide. Okay. Now, on the side of people relationships, do, we, do you all, does anybody want to take a guess? What did they do as soon as they took a bite of the fruit? They realized what? They were naked. Have y'all ever been in that moment when, oh my goodness, I'm naked and there are people in here that aren't supposed to see me in, in whatever I have on? Have you been there? Anybody? I, I don't remember if I've shared this story with you or not, but when I was uh, in high school, went to a uh, soccer tournament in Hawaii. Yeah, tough, tough, tough gig. And we all stayed, and we were staying in these suites, and I, had, I was changing my clothes in the bedroom, and I had no idea that some of the moms had come into the living room. So I'm down to my, thank goodness, just my underwear. I mean, had it been other, I would have been like mortified even more. But I just kind of come barreling out, and there are these two moms, and I'm like, wow, I'm sure my whole body turned about four shades of red, and I just was like, excuse me, I'll be, I'll be back, and walk back in the room. Had to I mean, that's, that's a mortifying feeling when you are stripped to bear, I mean, everything is all there for everybody to see and people who aren't supposed to see that, see that. That is a feeling like no other. And that is the feeling that Adam and Eve had for the very first time. They were stripped to bear, they were naked. They didn't understand it or didn't realize it or something before they took of the knowledge of good and evil. But at that moment, boy, they noticed and they felt shame in each other's presence before. Now, not only in how we dress and how we look, you all can apply that to every aspect of our lives, those moments when we are laid bare before other people because of something we have done or said or thought, and we feel shame. We want to go find the fig leaves and start sowing and get something to cover us up so nobody else will see. So God's first question to all of humanity. And in this series, uh, last summer, if you were here, you, you know we did um, got questions, G-O-T questions. And I let you all ask a lot of questions and I did my best to answer them. This summer, we're dealing with God questions. And these are the questions that as you go throughout scripture that God asked us throughout the story. Um, it comes from a book called Questions God Asked or Asks. And um, in that, I think the author, and I will get you his name next week, but says something very poignant. In our culture, we tend to come to the Bible for answers. 
we want to say, okay, God, if I'm having these issues, I want to open the Bible and point my finger and, okay, here's the answer. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Or if these things are happening, I know I'm supposed to look in this part of the Bible and I'm going to check it out and make sure the answers are. And he's saying, wait a second. Before we go to the Bible for answers, maybe we need to stop, rethink, and consider the questions that God asked us throughout the time we have him as God and then him as God in Jesus Christ and the questions. Because if you let those questions settle in your life and you meditate on them, I believe they will change your life. So the first question God asks is, where are you? Now, all of us, when I read this scripture, or you, maybe you've read this story before, maybe you've never heard this story before, but I want you to think about what's the tone that you hear in that question? Do you hear mom or dad when they're really mad? Where are you? Is that the, is that the where are you you hear? Is it a... Uh, where are you? Or where are you? What's the tone you hear? What was the tone of God's voice that day? For me, I think um, my son, and unfortunately I'm going to be one of those preachers that just uses my family as a part of an illustration, uh, just is the way it's going to be. Ryan, our youngest, has recently learned to ask that question. Where are you? but it doesn't sound like, where are you? This is Ryan calling for his brother. David, are you? David, are you? And he'll say that, like every once in a while, we, we found out who Amber is now, but Amber is one of his classmates, and every once in a while he'll say, Amber, are you? Well, he's not even at school, there's no way we're gonna find Amber. But let me ask you, what if that's the voice of God? Steve, are you? It changes the way you hear it, doesn't it? And I can't help when I think of my son to think of Jesus Christ as a baby. And he's saying the same question when he comes to this earth. Bill, are you? God's pursuit of us is unstoppable. There's a story in Scripture in, in the New Testament that Jesus shares. It's a parable that he's trying to teach um, his people to understand what it means for God to seek humanity. And he tells this story of a woman who's lost a coin. Now, for our sake today, we're going to say this woman has lost her diamond ring. So we get a better understanding of the value of the thing that has been lost. And a better understanding of why she did what she did. This woman got her broom out and she began to sweep and try to find the coin, the diamond ring. Now, ladies, let me ask you a question. When do you stop? 
If you've lost your diamond ring, at what point do you say, I'm done? Louder. When you find it, right? None of you is going to stop, especially if that happened to be the diamond that your husband gave you when you got engaged or when you got married or whatever it may be. You're going you're gonna to sweep up the house. You're going to turn every sofa over and the pursuit does not stop. The looking does not stop. The longing to be in relationship with us does not stop until God finds us. Until when he says, where are you? And we decide that maybe we need to come out of hiding and say, I'm here. Because God, God will not stop. He will not stop even to the moment when we are lying on our deathbeds. If we have refused his grace all of our life, he will not stop looking. He will have that broom out and sweep and sweep and sweep and pray and hope that you will say, I am here. His ultimate expression of that for us, just like I shared, is Jesus Christ coming in human form and saying to us, I love you enough not only to leave heaven and come as a child and say, are you? But I'm gonna walk alongside you in life and everything you do, everything that happens to you, I will be right there. I will see what it is like to live this life as a human being. I will feel your pain. I will know your hurt. I will see your tears and I will cry them myself. And in order for you to know that I will come and find you as your God, I will hang on a tree. I will be beaten. I will be made fun of. And I will die in order to say to you, where are you? I want you home with me. So today we have a couple of choices. One is to come out of hiding I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know uh, your long history or your most recent history, but God does. And we can choose as a people to continue to hide behind the fig leaves. And those fig leaves look a lot like church sometimes. Because I'll put on my face and make everybody think everything's perfect and it's not. Sometimes it's uh, simply not letting other people know exactly what's going on in our lives. The first step of coming out of hiding, I think, is to come out of hiding from ourselves. To take a deep, long look at our life and say, am I who I am supposed to be in God? Am I willing to begin to take off the, the fig leaves that I have? that I'm hiding when I look in the mirror and I see this, this person. I don't see the true me because I'm not even willing to look at myself long enough to know that I'm, I'm not where I should be. I'm, I'm a little messed up and I need some help. You've gotta be real with yourself. You gotta be able to say like Steve did, you know what, let's start over. That's just, man, that was, let's start over. 
But you've got to be honest with yourself. You can't just keep pushing through and say, well, at some point I'll get it all right. Well, maybe not. Be real with yourself. From there, you've got to come out of hiding with God and just come before him and lay your life bare knowing that he loves you and he cares for you and he just wants you to be real. He doesn't need a picture-perfect person. He needs someone who will come and say, I'm real, I'm messed up, and I need your help. I want to come out of hiding. Would you help me do that? And would you love me in the process? We also hide from others. I've talked about that. Man, I, I have to say to you in the church, church that I have been a part of most all of my life, and I think in most churches when they get a certain size, man, we, we like excel in masks. We are like, man, I, we will go home and from Monday to Saturday paint another mask because we want it to look just right when we walk in the doors of the church. And that is not what God wants us to be. He wants us to be real. He wants us to take the masks off in front of each other. That's why we are called the body of Christ. Come out of hiding. Let others see. What are the fig leaves that you can think of of life? Just yell them out. What are the fig leaves of life? The things that we use to cover up what's really going on. Addiction. Work. Shame or fame? Could be both. Right? Prestige. Worry. Smiling. Oh, that's a good one, dude. Control. Man, if I have everything under control, then everything's fine. How many of y'all have lived that life? Yeah. And at some point you go, oh, crud, I don't have everything under control, even when I thought I did. Now what? Come out of hiding. What else? Anything? Hurt. Isolation. Television. The internet. It can go on and on and on and on. We use all kinds of things to cover ourselves up so other people can't see the real us. He makes a, a statement in the book, and, and I think it's true. Pretend people have pretend relationships. And if we choose to live our life pretending, all the relationships that we have, who some on the other side may think they are the most authentic